You're listening to the podcast without the pocket protector. This is Geek This Podcast. ragtag band of Christian geek podcasters joined together, taking on a shared theme to be discussed on their respective shows. This year, like any good sequel, and any bad sequel really, they're going bigger. They aren't just sharing a theme, they're sharing themselves. In the grand tradition of the Avengers movies, or Aliens vs. Predator, or Mario and Sonic the Hedgehog. King Kong versus Godzilla. Archie meets the Punisher. It's not just a thematic event. It's a crossover. The Christian Geek Podcasting community begins the year 2014 by trading hosts. Listen to your favorite podcasting hosts as they mix it up on other podcasts. And meet new podcasters on your favorite podcasts. Featuring these podcasts. Geekly Oaked. The Sci-Fi Show, Untold Podcast, The Sci-Fi Christian, Real World Theology, The Storymen, Geek This Podcast, Voices in My Head, Are You Just Watching, and Strangers and Aliens, The Christian Geek Podcast Crossover. It's the Secret Wars 2 of podcasting. Only, you know, good. Welcome to Geek This Podcast. I'm David Hunt. I'm David Clements. And this weekend we have a special guest with us. Uh, If you'd like to introduce yourself and tell us what podcast you're from. Hi, everybody. My name is Steve MacDonald. I am from the Strangers and Aliens podcast, strangersandaliens.com. And, uh, yeah, I'm here for the – it's the crossover the crossover episode where all the, the superhero teams get all shaken up and then some team, some players join – some you know, heroes join other teams and stuff like that. And then we fight who's, – whose foes do we – do we fight our my foes or do we fight your foes? Do they team up? You know well, what? Our, our foes is the, uh, the, the, um, the sci-fi Christian. Oh man, this is going to be problematic because we are teaming up with the Sci-Fi Christian for this also. Who's writing the plot to this thing? <laughs> Probably Ben Avery. Okay, that figures. We don't have any foes right now. You don't have. Well, wait till right. you guys talk to the Sci-Fi Christian. The, the lines will be drawn. Well, we're on Matt's side so far. So. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben and I, Ben and I have Ben DeBono and I have talked on Facebook. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll see what what it's like hopefully we all come out unscathed <laughs> yes the scathing will uh will hopefully be, be slight so steve can you tell us a little bit about strangers and aliens i know we've talked about it on geek this podcast before um just let us know what you guys talk about what you do who you are sure well uh it's three of us it's it's uh, ben avery who's a, a writer he, he actually does writing professionally um along with side 
projects he actually physically does for his actual paychecks. Uh, but he, he writes uh, like The Hedge Knight with um, George R. R. Martin's The Hedge Knight. Um, he's written, I think he's on his third volume of that. Um, also, uh, we have Dr. Jace, who is a pastor of a church down in... Oh boy, he's gonna hate. You. He's gonna kill me for this. I think it's Virginia, but it's it's down south somewhere in, in the you know not in the far south. But um, he's it's a startup church. He's been doing it for about a year. In fact, I think they're doing their one year anniversary this month. Um, some sort of big picnic thing. So if you're in the area, go down and glom onto some free food from Dr. Jace. Uh, but he's a pastor, and he's he's also a writer. He's written some children's books and devotional books and stuff. And I am a uh, professional school bus driver, so I drive the big rigs all around town, and every once in a while I uh, do some chicken scratchings onto a piece of paper, and uh, every once in a while they get uh, shown on the website. Cool. Uh, Strangers and Aliens, we actually try to examine the crossroads of faith and pop culture, and um, if it's books, if it's literature, if it's movies, if it's TV, whatever, um, we try to focus on what's popular, what's new, what's out there, and also the spiritual applications to it. Or, you know, sometimes they have something to actually do with spirituality, and we can examine that as well. So it's a lot of fun. I love Strangers and Aliens. I think I think it was actually one of the first podcasts I started listening to. When I talked to people about, you know, well, why did you get into podcasting? You guys are the reason that I got into podcasting because I'm like, oh, man, I would love to just geek out about <laughs> <laughs> you know, comic books or or TV or movies or something, and and that that's was cool. the genesis of this podcast. And that, that's cool. That's a yeah. high praise. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you're here. I was excited when we got your name in oh, the cool. drawing. So. I, I sort of feel like like when Kitty Pride joined the New Mutants, you know that that type of thing, <laughs> or you know she, she sort of feels like an X Man. Should be an X Man, but she's sort of put with the, the the lesser group. But it's not really lesser; they're just different. And she's finding out how they're different, and you know how sometimes they might be better, and sometimes they not. You know the X Men. So it's it's really interesting, uh, really interesting thing that that Ben has put together. Oh yeah, definitely. And finding out how the other podcasts aren't less than us; they're just different. So let's go ahead and jump into some news. Um, the only piece of news that I have um, is really. As we record this from yesterday, Michael Douglas is going to appear as Hank Pym in the upcoming um, Ant-Man movie. I think that comes out next year, next summer. Um, uh, 2015, I believe. I think I think so. So that'd be next year, yeah. Um, and basically, I just read an article earlier today where he was just saying he's been dying to do a Marvel picture forever. And the script is fun. Um, he likes Edgar Wright. And uh, his son is going to love it, who's 13. I thought Michael Douglas was like, you know, 500 or something. It just seems like, you know, it's like, hey, I'm dying to, you know, to, to do a, to, to be one of the X-Men, you know, in the new X-Men movie. Who can I be? Hmm, you can be Mimic. I can be, oh no. <laughs> the guy that was in like eight things and then he got killed. Yeah, we'll probably kill you off in the first four, four or five minutes. <laughs> so, oh, great. <laughs> My yeah. kids will love it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, what do you guys think about him becoming um, Hank Pym? Because we got, um, I just lost his name, Paul Rudd um, was cast as, quote-unquote, Ant-Man. And my question was, is he 
Hank or is he Scott Lang? Um, I know there's a third Ant-Man out there somewhere. I can't even remember his name. What I'm getting from it, I mean, just from what I understand from the ages of the people involved, it seems as though Hank Pym was working, sort of like how uh, Tony Stark's father shows up in Captain America. And, you know, Hank Pym might be like, you know, hey, I did all this research and stuff, and let's you can continue it, and hey, whoa, you can shrink. And sort of like be the the father to uh, to whoever Ant Man is going to be. I forget his name. Scott Lang, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pr- probably uh, that's the feel that I get for it. So I could be wrong. What do you guys, in particular, feel about um, Michael Douglas playing Hank Pym? Personally, I'm just not a huge Michael Douglas fan. So it's not like, oh, cool, Michael Douglas gets to be part of the Marvel Universe. It was just sort of like, oh, well, there's another actor for you. <laughs> I just couldn't believe they picked someone that old because he, I mean, even if you, if you just look at him, like, he looks pretty old. And I guess he's like 69. I told you he was old. <laughs> <laughs> you were right. I saw it, and I was kind of taken aback because, you know, I've been reading, I don't even remember what I read recently it had you know ant-man in it and i i like hank pym um and he's you know this younger guy and everything so i was kind of taken aback because i expected a younger guy Mm -hmm. um but i think it's going to work well for the story um possibly i mean i trust edgar wright to pull it off but um i don't know i'm pretty excited but i hope that he's not as Michael Douglas as he is in every other movie. Because <laughs> I don't mind him. I don't think he's an awful actor. He's just, he's himself in every movie. Well, I, he, I, I, I haven't seen him in too many things. Like I said, he's just not a big favorite. But, you know, I, maybe I don't get that same feeling. I, I can sort of see how you would, you would think that because he doesn't have that much of dramatic range. But I always sort of see his characters as within the dramatic range he's presenting. But, you know, maybe maybe you're right, and uh, that dramatic range is... It <laughs> starts with Michael and ends with Douglas. Right. I, I honestly don't remember him in very many movies. Like, I, when I sit and think about it, I have a hard time thinking of different movies that he's been in. One of the best ones, I mean, I know this is kind of off-topic for our main topic, um, but uh, one of the best ones that I've seen is called the game. Uh, it's if you like thrillers and kind of, you know, mystery weird, got to fit the pieces together. I love that movie. Um, I saw that one. It, it was, it was a very interesting, interesting concept. Yeah. Um, and to have him, you know, as the hero, but he just, he's completely flummoxed. Like for the most of the movie, yeah, because it's it's interesting way to to film it. It, it it's hard to um for a filmmaker doing that type of movie to get a lot of uh, uh, good emotions towards that that kind of character. Uh, but he was able to pull it off because you cared about you know what was going on and, and whether he was going to do it or not. Um, and you know, so I, I have to I have to say, at least in that, he uh, he did a good job. Yeah. 
Uh, do you guys have any other news you want to throw into this? I mean, we can talk a little bit about um, The Amazing Spider-Man. I, I mean, I want to save the, the good chunk of our discussion for uh, for later when we're on another podcast for the crossover, but what do you guys think about Spider-Man coming back, Peter Parker? Did you hear about that, Steve? The, um, what was it, Superior Spider-Man? Yeah. Um, I didn't follow it. Um, it. Those types of things, I always know how it's going to end, and it's always going to end with the character coming back. Right. Um, which is, is sad. I, I grew up, I mean, one of, so some of my first comic books that I read uh, were the, uh, the X-Men, the all-new, all-different, uncanny X-Men. And uh, 137 just completely was like an atomic bomb in my, in my little brain back in the 80s because a character that you cared for and, and you know, loved as much as you could love a comic book character, but, you know, you cared for this character and gone, just mm-hmm. gone. And then, you know, a couple of years later, she comes back and you were, you were like, almost like, oh, awesome, she's back. You know, it's Jean Grey. And okay, well, there was the Phoenix Force that died. And okay, and you're starting to understand. And they're pulling all those strings. And you're like, okay, all right. You know, you sort of understand it that way. And then, you know, Superman dies. And I was, I think right then I was like, they can't kill Superman. Mm-hmm. Superman's not going to stay dead. And then there he is. He's, he's alive again. And then I think after that, any single time someone died, it was Captain America died. I'm like, he's not dead, you know. Right. And uh, then the Human Torch died. And I'm like, you know, I want him. It's not that I hated the Human Torch. I just wanted him to stay dead. I wanted, <laughs> I, you know, I thought his legacy would be better than any other story you could make with the Human Torch in it. You know, how many epic Human Torch stories are there? Right. You know, he's a great part of the Fantastic Four. He'd be missed, all that stuff. But his absence would always be there as this reminder to this this really cool character and team up character of Spider Man and Ice Man and all those cool things that he used to do. Yeah. But you know, they brought him back, and I, that was just about when I stopped collecting any comic books at all, especially like in a serial type of way. I was collecting the that series. Um, the Fantastic Four, the last bunch of them, and then the, uh, what was it called, uh, Freedom's Force or something, whatever it was. But um, you know, those ones where he was gone and Spider-Man was part of the team, they had the white uniforms yeah. and all that stuff. And he was he was gone, and all of a sudden, you know, 12 issues into it or whatever. And you know what? I could tell because it was 588, the issue that he died in, or mm-hmm. supposedly died. And I'm like, 588, hmm, that's 12 away from 600. Why would they stop at, at, you know, 12 away from 600? Hmm, 12. What other things are in 12s? Let's see. Hmm, how about months of the year? What comes out monthly? I don't know, maybe comic books? I mean, it was just like, duh, I wonder when he's coming back. You know, I can't get behind it. <laughs> you know, stuff like that, you know, you know they're coming. I mean, you're not going to get rid of Peter Parker. I wish I had this quote, but in, in the... Um, there's Marvel superhero uh, role-playing games that I used to play, and one of them had a, a thing, and it said, you know, if someone is, it gets killed, then, you know, there, it's, there's, there's no body, so obviously the person can come back. Well, if there is a body, well, it could be a recreated body. 
So, you know, whatever. And if, even, if it's, even if it's that person's body, that person's mind, that person's et cetera, it could be a clone. And they said even if that person is the actual person who actually physically dies and he's dead, good, for good, forever, permanently, then the character must not have been that good and move on to something else. And you were just like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, death is that impermanent in the Marvel Universe that they would have that, you know, a whole paragraph dedicated to, you know, bring back your dead, he- dead, dead people. It's not a big deal. So what do you think, David, when you saw this? When I saw that Amazing Spider-Man was coming back? Yeah, because, I mean, this, well, I mean, it's been about a year since you and I first did anything together on the podcast because the first thing that we talked about, even though it didn't get recorded because I'm stupid, um, <laughs> it, it was um, it was Spider-Man 700. It was it was the last issue of the Amazing Spider-Man, and um, you know uh, it was the end of Peter Parker. And so I, I mean I know how it felt for you when Peter died, um, but what about hearing him hearing about him come back? Okay, uh, as soon as Peter died, I sort of, everyone knew that he wouldn't stay gone forever. Um, but honestly, I expected him to stay gone a lot longer than a year. I yeah. Mean, it, it's literally, like, his death happened in 700, which was out on Christmas Day of um, 2012. So we had yeah. all of 2013, and now in April he's coming back. So yeah. that's not even a year and a half. Um, and... <laughs> And Superior, what gets me is, like, if Superior Spider-Man was a weak title, I could see why they'd be like, okay, let's bring Peter back. Let's correct this. But it's not. It's been strong story-wise. It's been strong sales-wise. I don't know. It just just seems like a dumb move to me. Yeah, well, I did see something on Twitter, and I don't know if anybody else saw it, but I I think the podcast Twitter follows Dan Slott, who is who was writing the books and he tweeted to another comic writer, comic artist or something. And he said, ha ha, they fell for it. They didn't think about it. Um, that it's an issue that comes out in April and it's a number one, get it, which means April 1st, April fools. (laughs) Is it a joke or, or is it not? I mean, it remains to be seen. We don't have to spend too much time on that, but I just thought that was kind of interesting. You know, I mean, I mean, I'm going to be excited to see Peter back because um, as good as Superior Spider-Man is, you just really miss Peter, you know, because he's I mean, he's totally gone from the Marvel books right now. He's not in Ultimate Marvel. He's not in current, you know, 616 Marvel books. So I miss him a whole lot. And I've been reading Marvel Unlimited and. I like going back and reading some of the books where Spider-Man is still Peter. So I'm, I'm excited to see him back, you know, even though I knew he was coming back eventually. Yeah. I mean, it, it, in, in some ways you can't tamper with the core Marvel or, you know, even DC stuff because that's what kids are going to be. That's their entry-level drug, you know, the, that picture of Superman – I mean, we, we have a thing, I'm, I'll, I'll get into it a little bit later on, that I wanted to introduce. Um, but it has, you know, different pictures of Superman, and one of them has uh, short sleeves. And my daughter, she's she's 10, she's like, 
why is that a different picture of Superman? And I'm like, well, you know, it's, it's because he has different costumes and stuff like that. And it was like the short version. Of, <laughs> I didn't want to launch into, you know, the whole diatribe of, you know, well, there's a new blah, 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 blah. I didn't yeah. want to do that. So, you know, it, but it's it's even something as, as simple as that, short sleeves, where they used to be long sleeves. And she knows, she knows that Superman has long sleeves. You know, you, you can't you can't tamper that much with it. Yeah. So. You know, a, a Spider-Man that's not Peter Parker. Okay, well, where's the Peter Parker Spider-Man? Well, yeah. he's not around anymore. He died. Well, when's he coming back? Where's where's he's the real Spider-Man? In some ways, that's that's what you feel. There's the real Spider-Man, and then there's everything else. And it's it's very difficult to to shift a hero from one thing to another. I have just one oh. one small thing for the uh, the new thing here. They put out a couple of pictures of, I guess, I don't know if it's the model or if it's uh, like the, the whatever, but it's it's what Godzilla is going to look like in the new Godzilla movie. Oh, yeah. And it uh, it's cool. It's, it obviously doesn't look like a, a guy in a, in a funny suit, although some people like that. But it has that, that old school style to it. Mm-hmm. And I think it really looks cool. I, was, uh, I went to see a movie with my son uh, over the weekend, and we um, saw the preview for Godzilla and and just the way it was shot was a little different it wasn't like you know like the, uh, a helicopter camera angle it was like street level stuff and it, it's just frightening when it's like that you know it's like a clover field type of feel to it so it looks like it's going to be really good you guys Godzilla fans at all or? I'm I'm looking forward to the new movie I am um, I had a friend that was really into the the older movies, um, but I never got into them, and I think I totally skipped out on the 1998. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's go ahead and jump into our main topic. So in this episode, we are going to talk about the 1943 Batman serials, um, which was a topic picked out by Steve. Steve, why did you pick this to talk about? Well... I have a, and I don't know exactly why, but, you know, I I think I do. Let's just examine it a little bit here. When I was younger, I um, liked stuff that not a lot of other people liked. For instance, uh, uh, Christian heavy metal, um, you know, things like that, where it wasn't in abundance, and when you could get it, you could get, like, one of them, and then they would disappear, and then, you know, if if your friend didn't get one, then he could never get one, there was no internet, you know, there, there wasn't any options for getting more of this stuff. So it got to the point where I would hoard large quantities of stuff that I thought would never be available again. And some of that stuff was old-time radio. I have a lot of old-time radio albums, um, cassettes, things like that, of old-time radio. Now you can find literally thousands, tens of thousands for free on the Internet at any time. So all this stuff that I was hoarding because I thought this was, you know, I was the only, I was the caretaker of these things. Um, now they're, they're gone. But I always had that, that feeling where if I, if I didn't have the stuff, at least I wanted to appreciate the stuff and at least be able to help people come to some sort of an appreciation, appreciation of it themselves. So... When I talk to people, a lot of times I talk about old-time radio and, or, you know, 
the music styles that I like, the older Christian music styles that are, you know, hard to, to find stuff. Um, so one of those things is the serial, the movie serial. And it's one of those things where you don't go to the movies every week, so they don't put something there where you need to be there every week. Mm-hmm. That's what the catch was back then. They didn't have television, not like we have it now. I mean, they had you know experimental stations and things like that. It was crazy. But you know, to to go somewhere and to get your news and to get entertained and to to you know have that stuff there. They needed a hook, so they would put these serials where it would be part one of, you know, in this case it's 15, 15 episodes, and you would want to go back. And every single one ended on a cliffhanger, so you would have to say to yourself, well, I can't just, I can't not see the next one. I have to see, you know, some people write novels that way, where everything happens, you know, the, the chapter sort of resolves different things, and all of a sudden a cliffhanger, and you have to go on to the next chapter. How can you stop at that point? You know, you, it, it's a it's a smart way of doing it, but at the same time, it really locks the reader into this system of I have to keep going, and that's what it did back then too. It, it locked the viewer into wanting to come back, saving your pennies and your dimes and stuff, so you could come back and and do that. So, it's sort of like this caretaker mentality that I have, how, whatever, whatever that's inside of me. Um, and, you know, it used to get me into trouble because there would be human beings that I would want to take care of. And sometimes they would be girls and I would want to be their boyfriend and take care of them because they were in a lot of trouble and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. that was that was trouble. I stopped doing that. My, my wife is, is not trouble at all, which is awesome. And um, uh, she sort of rescued me from, from having to do any of that stuff and very slowly and surely over the years I've stopped uh, accumulating uh, massive amounts of stuff, although it's still a minor problem. <laughs> I, have, I have my own shed. Let's put it that way. Um, you've heard of Arthur Two Sheds Jackson? Yeah, well, that could be my nickname as well. So in this caretaker uh, feeling that I have for things, I, I see things and I want to, I want to like them. Even if it's stuff like this, which if you're watching it, it sort of feels like, you know, like a fan fiction, self-made Batman thing because there's no Hollywood stars. Um, The costumes are rudimentary. uh, And it's just, you, you have to just get over it and just believe that this is really, really Batman and move on from there to uh, to really enjoy it. You know, it, it, like when you're listening to old-time radio, uh, like the Superman episodes on old-time radio, you have to get over not seeing him. You have to get over the visual part of it and just say, you know what, I'm going to imagine that it's better than Christopher Reeve, you know, better than the flashiest cartoon, um, because, it's my, because it's my imagination. That's the magic of old-time radio. But when it comes to these older video-type things, many people will just discard them and not even count them as being part of the the ongoing series of visual representations of these heroes. Which we, we personally actually sort of did, because when we did our, our Batman 
thing, um, our Batman series, we kind of skipped over this. So we apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> you monsters. Yeah, I mean, this was, you know, for me, I mean, even as a kid, I can remember going back and watching the 60s Batman episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I ever saw the movie until, you know, a couple of years ago. But um, when when you brought this up, I was like, 1940s Batman? <laughs> like, that was like, where in the world is this coming from? And I know that you that you enjoy, you know, um, these older things. And, and I thought this was just really cool because, um, you know, on the podcast, we tend to um, talk a lot about pop culture and, and, you know, current geek culture. And I was like, what an awesome thing to do is just kind of take it back and to, to really where it starts, because this is where Batman on film started. This, um, if I'm not mistaken, if I've got my facts straight, um, yeah. these serials, um, came out July 16th, 1943, which, um, was about four years after Batman showed up in comic books. Yeah. Yeah, this is the first live or animated visual representation of Batman. Now, Steve, you were saying that this is 15 chapters. Now, I, I'm i just going to be honest. David and I were talking about this before, um, before you joined the call. Um, I actually didn't get a chance to finish the whole first episode. Uh, <laughs> For various reasons. I have a little girl that's like, Dad, it's black and white. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, like, the world used to be in black and white, honey. I know, and that's that's what I told her. She's only watched, like, one black and white movie. Wow. And I think... I think it was White Christmas. She watched in black and white. And she's totally okay with that. Um, wow. So, so yeah, she's... She had a hard time with that, so... Um, for various reasons, I didn't get to finish the first episode, but I had a lot of fun with this, with just the, just what I watched. Um, mm-hmm. I want to go back and watch, like, all of it. It's interesting because it, it ends up longer than, like, a regular movie. And a regular movie, you don't get the feeling that it's chopped up, because obviously it's not. They want it to seem fluid. Mm-hmm. But you're getting the different plot points, you're, you're getting the different arcs, you're getting the different, you know, uh, beats, things like that. With this, it's forced. And for a good reason at the time, because you needed to have that force to get you to the next the next week. Um, but watching it, you know, right in a row can, can be a little jarring, because you start to see sort of the cracks in the veneer of this style, because it's not made to sit down and watch the whole thing all all together. That's just not how it is. Um, If I had the time, I would take it and just watch it, and then a week later, watch another one, and then a week later, watch another one. Of course, you know, that would take four months to watch the whole thing. (laughs) Um, But but that's the way it was meant to be watched, though. Exactly. And that that would be the beauty of it, if you could actually sit down and and pace yourself and do it. Um, Watching it this way... After a while, you sort of get the sense that they're saying, you know, wow, this is the 15-minute mark. We better have them have a fight because that's, you know, 
unless he gets thrown out of a window or, you know, he's pinned under a train or something, people aren't going to come back. So let's see, what do we do this time? And almost every single time at like the 15, 16 minute mark, because they're, they're about 17 to 19 minutes long each chapter, um, you know, they, they start to, there's, there's some conflict. And of course, at the beginning of each one, they do like a little recap. So you're seeing what you just saw, you know, the last minute and a half or something. So what I was doing was I was just going in like at the two minute mark and <laughs> starting <laughs> starting it then, you know. And then at the end, I would I would stop a little early, and then I, I would get the whole thing. I would be watching the whole thing because I just wouldn't be watching the duplicate parts. So, David, what are your thoughts on this uh, this serial? Well, uh, some of the th- some of the things that I noticed was that this serial was actually uh, two big things came out of it to affect the comics as a whole. Uh, one was the Batcave. Um, before this serial, there wasn't a Batcave. Uh, because of this, they actually implanted that into the comic books. Mm-hmm. Which I mean, I couldn't imagine Batman without his Batcave. And then uh, the other one was uh, the vision of of Alfred. Uh, who he is and um, what he looks like. Uh, I guess before this serial, Alfred was kind of chubby. He was he was kind of a fatter dude, uh, clean shaven. <laughs> and then a- after this came out, uh, they sent him off to a health spa, and he came back skinny with the mustache. That's nice. That's what, you know what? That's what I need to do. I'm kind of <laughs> chubby right now. I'm going to go to a health spa for. I don't know how long. Come back. I'll be skinny and I'll have a mustache. I will be awesome. <laughs> you know what it also works is, is the double pneumonia. You get that, you lose 10 pounds. It's great. Oh, of course, you also have the double pneumonia to deal with. That's so <laughs> not the great part. But, um, yeah, I mean, to, to get the – I mean, Alfred really comes across as uh, like a part of the team. It's, it's almost like, you know, Batman and Robin and Alfred because you really see this older English gentleman, British gentleman, and he's actively wanting to be a part of this. He's, he's bought into it. He's, you know, chomping at the bit at different times and, you know, overselling it. it it's, I mean, he's sort of the comic relief. Uh, you know, he's not Jar Jar Binks, but he's, he's you know, he does pr- produce a, a bunch of laughs, which is fun. And... The villain, we should probably go into a little bit of, of the villain. If you're watching this, one of the things you have to realize, it's in the middle of World War II when they're filming this, when they're writing this and acting it and the whole thing. The villain is a Japanese gentleman, and he's a mastermind type of villain. He's not a, a super-powered supervillain, but he has... Uh, zombies, which is interesting because they're not the zombies that you see on Walking Dead. They're not flesh-eating zombies. They're more the mindless, super-strong zombies that you would get back in the... uh, We did a a whole show on zombies and we went into this. Um, But basically, back in the 20s and 30s, zombies were mindless, super-strong people that just were under the thrall of someone else. 
and then over the course of time they morphed into what they what they become now and lots of different versions of them you get now but this is the old mindless you know they 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 did something to their brain they, they they're wearing some sort of funny little thing that inhibits their brain from working properly and he calls them zombies so you get that aspect of it too where there's these super strong people that can overcome batman's you know human uh, physicality and um, you also get this mastermind, but he's Japanese, and you're going to get a lot of stereotypical Japanese stuff in there. You're going to get a lot of um, even words that you would never call a Japanese person nowadays. Um, and uh, it's ethnically insensitive <laughs> <laughs> um, in a lot of ways because of that that fact but if you go back to that time if you're in world war ii those are the enemies those are the people who bombed pearl harbor you know painting them with a with, with a, a a broad brush it's not everybody it's not the entire country that went over there and and bombed pearl harbor but those people the japanese people were at war with the jap with the american people and let's not go into everything that happened between the Japanese people and the American people at the time because it would take, you know, five or 10,000 shows to <laughs> really give it the, um, the air that it needs to. But that's the, that's the villain that they chose. They chose someone who at the time was, would be immediately seen as the villain. You wouldn't have to uh, go too far to say, oh, Japanese, hmm, friend or foe. Let's see. You know, so um, so when you're watching, if you're watching this, and I, I hope you do, because if you like Batman, it's still a good Batman story. Um, you know, it's you have to sort of take the that stuff with it. It's not the type of thing where he's vilifying all Japanese people or saying Japanese people are lesser or animals or anything like that. It's just always in the sense of they are our enemy. Here's a man who is presenting himself as the enemy, and Batman is fighting against him. So it's it's a that's sort of my take on it. And then and, um, Batman is also like a, a U.S. agent in this. He's not the the vigilante that we all have come to know and love, right? So you, it it kind of does give off of that like U.S. government versus. Japanese take on it. Um, mm-hmm. And even though I, I knew that this was uh, made during World War II, I wasn't expecting so many <laughs> so many Japanese slurs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, there's, there's one, if, if you don't see it, it's, this isn't a plot point, so I'm not ruining anything for you, but it, there's one part where... One of the things, one of the ways to get into the bad guy's uh, headquarters is through this uh, uh, ride, sort of like a carnival ride, where it's showing the horrors of the Japanese and all the bad things that Japanese people do to to you know other people in the world and Americans, and they're just you know people in uh, people in cages with Japanese uniformed people outside the cages and and um, things like that. It's just sort of like. <laughs> We get it, guys. You don't like the Japanese at this point in history, okay? As we've been talking, this has kind of been kind of a darker 
a darker topic. Let's try and lighten it up a little bit. What are, um, I guess I can take it from my point of view because, um, you know, I like old things. I like nostalgic things. Um, I enjoyed this. Like I said, I want to watch it again. But watching it um, in relation to modern Batman, it is, I mean, light and day different or night and day difference. Um, I just, um, one of the things that I thought was just kind of funny is the Batmobile. It's just like... Or, or, or the lack thereof. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just a basic black sedan from, you know, from the 40s. And he just kind of, like, pulls up to a building. Him and Robin jump out. They do their thing. They get in the car. And as they're driving down the road, they just kind of pull off their masks and just kind of, you know, look at each other and grin and chuckle a little bit like, boy, isn't this fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> I just found it so silly because you would never see Batman do that now. Well, in, in, not, fact, yeah, yeah. in fact, Batman would probably, you know, um, scold Robin for something that he did. You know, well, you hit that dude too hard or something like that, you know. <laughs> well, not only that, David, but also, like, half the time Alfred is driving them around as Batman and Robin. Like, he's still driving them around. They're just sitting in the back, chilling. Like, what? We're rich U.S. government agents. <laughs> <laughs> wow. One thing I picked up was sometimes when they were in costume. Out loud, they would refer to each other as Bruce and Dick. <laughs> so Robin runs in to where Batman is and is saying, Bruce, Bruce, are you okay? <laughs> and then part of the rest of the film is, you know, I, I wonder who the Batman really is. You know, and then they, they, they're attempting to take off his, his cowl and stuff like that. And I'm like, well, why don't you just listen to, to Robin while he's referring to him as Bruce? That might give you a clue. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's just funny because some of this stuff, um, I mean, these are a lot, it seems like a more serious attempt um, at Batman. I don't think they were trying to make fun of it or anything like in, you know, in the 60s. um, You know, they had fun with it. They didn't take it super seriously. I mean, Adam West may have. but it was goofy, and it was supposed to be goofy. It was mm-hmm. it was campy. Whereas this, I mean, they played they played it as straight as possible. Um, even though you know it was a really, really low budget thing. Yeah, not a lot uh, of budget there. Yeah, and I I was um, I was either reading or listening to a a review of of this series, and that's what the guy said is. You know, back in the 40s, Columbia um, Pictures was not, they were not like the top studio like they are now. You know, um, they, everything they did, it was, they had a minimal budget. And, and it's, it's obvious, you know, um, when you look at the costumes, it looked like somebody just grabbed some felt and you know, <laughs> threw it on Batman's face, you know. Yeah. Um, what what are some other things that you guys really enjoyed about um, about this? I know Steve, you'll probably have more than we do because you've seen it all. <laughs> um, I, I liked the Robin was likable. You know, yeah. a lot of people have a problem with Robin, and they have you know the modern day problem. They, they a lot you know they just want him. They want the Joker to kill him again. 
So, you know, they, they like Batman, you know, without the, without the Robin chaser, just Batman. And some people like Robin, some people don't. It's one of those things. Here you have a Robin who is active. He's, he's, he fits in. It just, it seems like a team. It seems like if, if Robin wasn't there, this story couldn't have happened. Like they could not have done what they, everything that they did if it was just Batman and Alfred, you know, Robin uh, was just pivotal in, in scene after scene. It's, it's sort of like if you had a superhero who could be in two places at the same time and, you know, to, 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 to sort of put it in, in that type of a context. But, of course, you know, Robin is younger. But he's taking on the bad guys. He's, he's jumping into the battle just as much as, as Batman does. Um, and he's, he's likable. He's not yeah. that the Robin that that some people have come to to dislike. He's he's just so new. It's fresh. I think that's that's the word I'm looking for. I thought it definitely worked. I mean, just for the little bit that I saw, um, like when when they first show up on the scene, I I expected that that weird awkwardness that you know um, Adam West and Burt Ward had. Um, I thought Robin always made that that team up a little awkward in the 60s um but this i liked it you know it's like they've known each other for a really long time um and like i said i didn't see very much of it but it didn't seem like it was one of those things like okay robin go do this it was like robin knew what batman wanted um and it 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 worked really well yeah yeah, it, it felt more like Batman and Robin instead of just Batman with, with Robin. Robin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 And it, he doesn't get any billing. It's just Batman. <laughs> yeah. Uh, until the next serial. <laughs> right. That'll be fun to watch, too. I, I found interesting that um, even when they're not Batman and Robin, when they're um, not dressed up or anything... Uh, they're still they're hanging out all the time, uh, like even when Bruce is going to see his girlfriend. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah I know. <laughs> I thought that was um, interesting because I mean that's that's in the very first one. I thought that was pretty weird how you know Bruce is going to pick up his girlfriend, but Robin's hanging along. You know he's he's tagging along too, um, but it it was weird because in a way it didn't even feel awkward. It felt like, well, yeah, they go everywhere together, and it's not weird. It's, I think it's, a lot of it is because it's the 1940s, and yeah. it's not the 1980s where an older man with a younger man, all of a sudden you just assume that there's something going on there, obviously, because it's uh, two men together, and men never hang out together unless, you know, that's going on. So, I mean, it's, it's the 1940s. So it just it just has that innocence to it, yeah. You know, and you, you don't have to you don't have to explain anything. You know, they went on a picnic or something like that. And that's that's what you would do. I mean, if you were a big brother and you had you know you had a, a, a someone you who you would go and see once a week or whatever. What do you do? You go to the zoo. You go to the picnic. You right. you know go to the beach or something. And no one thinks twice about it, unless you're odd <laughs> I mean no one should think twice about it it's, it's just that's what should happen that's a healthy relationship between two two men 
or you know, an older man and a younger man, you know, or a, a, a father and a son. I mean, that's that's a healthy relationship. That's what it's portraying, and that I thought was very refreshing. Yeah. Um, one of the reasons why I like this older versions of things like this is because it has that innocence to it. It doesn't have the bad language. It doesn't have, you know, uh, what was her name? Linda, the, the girlfriend. I mean, the entire time she was dressed from from ankles to neck. Yeah. And there was no, nothing lurid, nothing, you know, anything like that. But at the same time, you were like, well, here's, here's a pretty girl. You know, no big deal. There's no pin-up picture that's going to come out of this one. There's no, you know, I mean, he's, she's just well done. And that's, you know, that, that at the time is just, it shows that innocence. It shows that what entertainment is supposed to be. It's not supposed to have that, you know, titillating factor to it. it, it that's just, you know, superfluous. Well, that kind of leads me to um, one of my questions and something that we've kind of incorporated in our Batman on Film series, which I guess, you know, we can classify this as. What are some things that that can be taken from these, these 15, um, you know, these serials um, and applied to current Batman? I mean, because there, there are some things that, that, sh- that I think new filmmakers can learn from old ones, even though this isn't, you know, top-notch quality. And I I can almost guess that Zack Snyder um, has <laughs> ever seen these. I mean, I, I would assume that he hasn't. Um, right. What are some things that can be taken away from this and brought into 2015? I think one of the most important things that I was just hitting on is the innocence. You don't have to go over the top. You don't have to go crazy. I think that was one of the things that I liked about the, the last uh, the Batman film, the, the Nolan Batman films, was that Catwoman wasn't made up to... I mean, she wasn't uh, the Catwoman from the Catwoman film. Or, you know, I mean, she wasn't Halle Berry with that, the whole thing to, to make her look, you know, super sexy and all that stuff. She just... She was professional in her job. Yes, she was a bad guy, but she was professional. She uh, uh, was fashionable. You know, she had all this this good stuff going for her and she never had to, you know, strip down to her underpants to to escape from the bomb or something stupid like that. You know, I mean, you don't need that. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, you look at The Dark Knight Rises, which we haven't reviewed yet, but we will sometime this year. Um, and I thought that's what made Catwoman great, um, is because, you know, yeah, she's sexy in her own way, but it's not overtly sexy. I mean, nothing's hanging out, you know, (laughs) um, you know, um, but it's, I mean, Christopher Nolan, uh, said it best, you know, um, when we went in to design the cat suit, we wanted it to be practical. Every, everything she uses, everything she wears, it is practical. There's a reason that she's wearing a skin-tight jumpsuit, and it's not just so that everybody can check her out. It's it's so that she can get in places and get out of places quickly without being hung up. It was practical. Yeah, yeah. and the cat ears were goggles. Right. I mean, that was, that was perfect. When she flipped them up and they were little cat ears, I was like, well, that makes sense. 
why else would she have stupid cat ears <laughs> on a uniform? I mean, it makes it made perfect sense. So, David, what are some things that you? Well, obviously, I want my Batman to be racist. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, here you got it. You hear that, Ben Affleck? You need to be racist. <laughs> or, or how did you put that, Steve? Ethnically insensitive. <laughs> Ethnically insensitive. You got it. Oh, I, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, I think the biggest thing that they can take out of this, especially with um, the first movie that we're having Ben Affleck Batman in, uh, I think the biggest thing we can take is that Batman can work well as as a team. He doesn't just have to be that like sole vigilante hiding in the shadows kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's like in this, you get him working almost the entire time with Robin. Uh, they're they're a team. They're, he's not just Robin. Isn't just a sidekick. They're a full fledged team. So I think they need to remember that that Batman can work well together with people and not just um, what he feels like it. All right. Also, I did notice something. Batman can have a slight Boston accent. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. It was like I was yeah, like, a little bit. Why does he sound so weird? And then once I did my research, it's like oh. Lewis Wilson's from Massachusetts. Now, were there any, like, gadgets in in the serials? Uh, the bat stamp. <laughs> I did see that. <laughs> there was that, a, 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 bat, um, a bat car jack. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know if it's a bat car jack, but at one point they need a jack for something, so he sends Robin to get it, and then Robin comes back just in time that they can use the car jack to... Uh, put between these two walls that are about to crush him with with uh, uh, pointed things that are about to to fill him full of make him look like Swiss cheese, and he uses the jack for it. I don't think it's a bat car jack. Well, it definitely. Well, I don't know. It was the '40s, so Chrysler and Ford were probably um, <laughs> a lot of product placement. Yeah. <laughs> Better made companies too. So, <laughs> um, I just. I really wish I would have watched more of these because they seem so enjoyable. And, I mean, yeah, you kind of have to um, get past all of the, you know, the Japanese things and stuff like that. Um, you were talking, Steve, about the the villain. Overall, I mean, was he a good Batman villain? I mean, would, would you want somebody like that in current continuity or current movies or anything like that? Yeah, I think if you had, um, you know, one of my things that I wish, if I if I were writing comic books, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, what I would want to do is go back to these original things and pull out as much as you can of the story and represent it. You know, it, even if it's like a flashback or you know, time travel thing, whatever, and just represent it in in a way that it's going to resonate with with today's viewers or today's readers and his character is very much like you know like a um uh a lex luthor where he surrounds himself with bad guys and you know has them do do his bidding and if you had uh batman's current rogues gallery and you had this bad guy sort of being able to pick or pay them off or enslave them or whatever, he wouldn't have to be Japanese. He could be. It wouldn't matter nowadays because we're not at war with them. 
Right. But they just have to be like Afghani or something. <laughs> yeah. Iraqi or whatever. Yeah. Korak. Um, <laughs> but he could he could easily be that, you know, the, the center of that spider's web where, you know, Batman has to sort of make his way through the spider's web and get to the center. Of course, when you're in the center of it, you're that you're pretty well stuck. And he had that whole thing going for him where he was secluded. He had these little traps. He had all this the stuff set up. So as soon as, you know, there was one time where someone was, was trying to escape and he, they grabbed him and he didn't even have to say a word because he had stuff set up to make sure that he wouldn't, that would not happen to him. He would not be taken, you know, and it was, it, some of it was ridiculous and needless and you would never do that in real life. But this is, this is the comic books. This is a comic book movie. So you had that, that sense that this guy was prepared for everything. Except for his own alligator door. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, you watch out for that. You watch this and and you know the story of how it was released and everything. Do you think that somehow, some way, people should... some, Some studio needs to bring serials back to the theater. Do you think... Do you think that'd be a cool thing? Uh, I don't think it would work, honestly. Um, just because because of the way the television is now. Like, everyone has TV at home. They can watch their weekly stuff here at home. Um, and there aren't enough movies coming out that everyone's interested in every single week to get them to go to the theater just to see this serial. Um when you think about it, like television, sh- television so- shows sort of are like our modern day serials because they come out weekly. Um, people sit down in front of their television just to watch these. Now you don't have to go out to the theater to see that. You know, I actually thought there was a chance that that could happen, um, and maybe about twenty years ago, uh, Stephen King wrote a serial novel called The Green Mile, and it was six. Six uh, serial, you know, mini novels. You, you would pick them out. I don't know if it was once a month or once a week. I forget exa- exactly. But when I was reading them, I said to myself, if anyone could do this, it would have to have like a huge name attached to it, like Stephen King. And here it is perfectly. It would only be six. You could do six, six weeks and just attach it to, you know, six different movies or whatever. And you know, you go there, you get a half an hour extra of a, a, a movie, you know, and, and you go there. If you don't like it, you don't have to go the next week. If you do, you go the next week. And, you know, it's, it's attached to an, another movie that hopefully you would want to see and just sort of, you know, there you go. But they, they put it out as a, a major motion picture instead of a serial. Um, you know, more's the pity. But, uh, you know, stuff like that, I mean, I... I, I, I like previews. I don't terribly like the stuff that they show before the previews where it's just, you know, hey, I'm hanging out on the set with blah, 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 and two minutes later, you're just like, what? And here's, here's a one-and-a-half-minute one snippet of a new pop song by someone you've never heard of. And you're like, what? You know, <laughs> why can't you just show a cartoon? You know, why can't you show something? I mean, the, the, uh, the Roger Rabbit shorts. 
things right. to put, put in, in front of some of the, the films. And sometimes you would go to the movie just to see the Robert, Roger Rabbit short. You know, that was fun. That was cool. Why don't they do that? Why, why doesn't anyone just say, you know what, I'm going to put a cartoon at the beginning of my movie. Every single movie that I do, I'm going to put a cartoon. Yeah, see, and that was, I mean, kind of off subject, but not really. That is one thing that Pixar does really well is they make a little short that goes with, mm-hmm. I mean, doesn't necessarily go with it, but it's packaged with the movie. Yeah. So, and you come to expect that, and I would love to see that more. And I think that's, that would be really cool. Um, you know, um, I think it'd be cool for studios, um, say Marvel, you know, because they release more than one movie a year, have a serial that you can watch in front of each Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. Or, or DC could do that, you know, whatever. I think that would just be really cool. Um, yeah. or, or they could even, like, they release all these little the little one shots uh they could even put those in front of the movies yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i think they should because i mean in a way they all connect i would i would love to see some, something like that i mean yeah. i i would not have a problem paying full ticket price if i got bonus material you know um tickets are expensive they always go to matinees <laughs> Good for you. Do you have like one dollar matinees where you where we are? No, we used to have a dollar theater. That would be awesome. Ben keeps going on and on about the dollar theater that he has in his place, and I'm like, yeah, okay. I go to matinees, and they're like seven bucks. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well, David and I, we live in Indiana, and I think we're like an hour and a half, maybe two hours away from Ben. Mm-hmm. Uh, so someday in the future. We're going to have to go and check out his dollar matinees. Yeah. yeah. You guys could do, like, live shows together. Yeah. A live crossover. Whoa. <laughs> we're, we're thinking about it. Thinking about it. Um, so does that kind of wrap up um, Batman 1943? I just, had, I just had 14 or 15 other points I wanted to get to. <laughs> oh, okay. That doesn't surprise me, Mr. <laughs> Mr. you know... Pick your favorite character. Here's ten. Uh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> How can you pick one favorite? That's just ridiculous. It's it's true. I, I can't do it either. Yeah. So um, I blame my wife. I, I ask her, "What's your favorite?" And she's like, "I have no favorite. <laughs> I can't pick a favorite. Like, why can't you pick a favorite?" <laughs> and her reasoning is perfect. You know, it, there's. What are you going to do? Have you know, what happens when your second favorite starts to be your real favorite? And all of a sudden you switch favorites? You can't do that. No, just have a bunch of ones that you really like. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move into our recommendations for this episode. Um, Steve, since you're our guest, why don't you go ahead and go first, buddy? I'm going to recommend a game. Uh, for Christmas, my son got this card game. It's a DC DC Comics game put out by... I think it's Cryptozoic. Mm. Uh, they do a lot of card games. I think they do like Walking Dead and things like that. Um, and it's a fun card game where it's not a role-playing game, but you you pick a character, there's seven different ones, Justice League basically, and you have these 12 villains that you have to defeat. 
and you it's point based so you start the game with just it, it's a it's a deck building game but it's not a um, uh, what do you call it a, 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 a it's not like you buy packs and, and to augment your deck oh, like okay. magic or something like that um, all the cards are in the box and at the beginning of the game you get seven just very basic cards you know and, and four of them three of them don't do anything three of them are just like filler in your hand just so it, you don't just keep cycling through we do a cheat version where we pick the four cards that instead of just the one point cards we can pick four cards and it accelerates the game but and that's that's one of the beauties of the game you can make sort of your own rules to it so you know we did one with my with my daughter she's 10 and we did it as a team so mm-hmm. instead of going against each other which you're, you're really supposed to be going for points and whoever gets the most points at the end, then you know the Flash beats Batman or whatever, you know. Um, so you get that aspect of it. But you can you can do a team game where you're concentrating on trying to defeat the villains as quickly as possible, which means you're not going to be getting the same point values and stuff. So it's, it's a different game altogether. But it's more cooperative, um, and uh, it's just it's a fun game. Um, you can play it with, uh, you know, a ten-year-old. It, it, it's good for math. Um, if you if you want, if someone's having trouble with math, especially like just arithmetic, uh, you know, addition stuff like that, um, or add subtraction. And you can just sort of use it for that. You know, sort of like a, a way of, of just getting a little extra math in there. Um, or if you just like DC DC heroes, it's it's the, that type of fun type of a game. And the character cards aren't so specific. You know, it's like the Superman card isn't, you know, Superman can lift X amount of tons, and here's all his powers, and these are the ones you can use. It's not like that. It's all just game text. You know, so with Superman's card, if if X, then you get plus one. You know, if, if, you, if, if you get, if for all the superpower cards that you play, Superman gets a plus one. You know, so what we did, my, my daughter, she does her own little comic books, um, Cookie Man and Dr. Pop. <laughs> and what, what she did was we just worked within the game system and we made up little Cookie Man and Dr. Pop characters that we actually can play in the game. And who cares how much they can lift or what their powers are or anything. We just made game text that works for those characters. Oh, that's awesome. And, yeah, and you could do it. I mean, you could, you could make Marvel comics you know, characters or whatever. You could make your own. You could, you know, you could put yourself into the, the game if you really wanted to, you know, and, and make that, the game text, something specific to you. So it's it's really fun, and we're, we're finding, like, really fun ways to play it, and it's not just, like, one linear type way to play, so. Okay. And what was that called again, Steve? Uh, I don't know the exact name. It's just the DC, it's a card building, it's a deck building games, the DC Comics deck building game from Cryptozoic. Well, I'll definitely have to look that up. It's yeah. fun. We'll put a link in the show notes for everybody, because I think I'm going to have to check that out. That sounds <laughs> fun. I mean, I'm not big into card games. I haven't, I mean, the last card game I played was like Pokemon, and I didn't even play that right. <laughs> so, kept so. poking people, and that, that's not how the game goes. <laughs> I, I know. But it says yeah. What do you have, David, for your recommendation? All right. Um, there are 
two main comic books that I'm going to recommend to people this week. Uh, Walking Dead 119, uh, for all of you who follow the Walking Dead comic book. Um, right now they're in the middle of a big storyline called All Out War. And uh, it, it's crazy. It, stuff is going down. You know, I, I don't want to spoil it, but um, it, it's about ready to get intense. Uh, the other one was um, All New Marvel Now Point One, number one. Uh, it's a one-shot. It's, it's sort of like a big preview book of all of the new, all new Marvel Now books that are going to be coming out uh, with the new number ones you're going to be publishing. Cool. Um, my recommendation for this episode is going to be a new podcast. Um, I just learned about it um, because of the crossover over event that we're having. Um, uh, it is called the Helix Reviews Podcast. Um, it's hosted by um, a guy named David Arrington, and he does a really fantastic job of reviewing movies and TV shows and games. He does it all by himself, which um, I'm too afraid to do anymore. Uh, but he does a really good job. Um, I think the most recent episode was like his favorite um, things from 2013, and that was just a lot of fun, and uh, we might have to have him on the show in the near future. So that that would really make be a mess for listeners. Three Davids in one show. <laughs> you could change it to Dave. This, yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. Yeah. That would be great. Write that down now. <laughs> <laughs> well, unless anybody has anything else, that's going to do it for this episode. Um. This is episode 29. can't believe we've actually made it this far. Yeah, excellent job, guys. Yeah, thanks. Well, this is David Clements signing off, um, just saying thank you guys so much for listening. And this is David Hunt also signing off. And this is Steve MacDonald uh, from Strangers and Aliens, strangersandaliens.com. And uh, we're over 100 episodes. So if you run through the 29 episodes of Geek This because they're good episodes and you just want more, then head on over to strangersandaliens.com. Thanks a lot, Steve, for coming on. Um, we really appreciate it. I had a good time. Yeah, this was a blast. Thank you guys very much. And, you know, you're more than welcome to come back on. Just let us know. Thanks for listening to Geek This Podcast with David Clements and David Hunt. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash geekthispodcast. You can also check us out on Twitter at geekthispodcast. Leave us a voicemail and give us feedback by calling 765-416-3651 and be sure to subscribe at geekthispodcast.com slash iTunes. For previous episodes, be sure to check out geekthispodcast.com. <laughs>